Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Winners don't do drugs. It's Eric Roberts' is The Fucking Man Redux. Once again, the world's only Eric Roberts-related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly. And joining me as usual is the man from Laramie, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? I've never been to Laramie. Mm-hmm. No, well, you're the man from Laramie. Well, that, you know, Doug, <laughs> I hate to hold you to the English language here, <laughs> but from means I've been there at some point and I have not. So I'm just going to go ahead and say, even though I know there's a cultural reference involved, that you're a liar as all Canadians are liars, and I don't trust you. Liam, uh, as we're recording this, we're well into our quarantine, our pandemic-related quarantine. We're not allowed to do a lot of outdoorsy stuff. Uh, And I don't want to focus too much on it, but I just want to know, how have you been maintaining yourself? Uh, You have a young family, you have a wife and a young child. How do you keep yourself motivated to get up in the morning? Um... Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I don't have a lot of things other than just the maintaining of every day. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a it's just a parent thing. Like, and I see this from fellow parents who aren't like. There are some parents who like to maintain the facade. Who like every day are like, look at these beautiful miracles. They they're so great and whatever. <laughs> but real ass people who aren't faking through life are the ones saying, "Wow, I'd really like to stay in bed and cry today, but I have kids, so here I am making breakfast." All right, let's pretend that life has meaning. You know what I mean? Like, it, that's just sort of where I'm at. Like, I'd love to fall down a, a, a movie hole and cry myself to sleep every night. Or, and you know this is true, Doug, because mm-hmm. you are friends with me on social media. I'd probably just be crying on social media. That's what I'd be doing. I'd be making awkward videos with my shirt off talking about how life is hard. But uh, I don't have time for that. I got a three-year-old. So uh, I've actually done the opposite, which is, Go outside. Just find mm. places where there aren't people and wander around in the woods. And Doug, Doug, mm. you know how I feel about nature. So this <laughs> has been a real stretch for me. But oh man, am I Nature Dad 2020? I am. I'm Nature Dad now. I'm into nature. Maybe it's just maybe this is a turning point for you as a human being. Liam, I have a question for you, and please don't take this the wrong way. Do you think of yourself as a bummer? Um you know, formerly no, currently yes. Well, I think that's very fair. Under the circumstances, I think a lot of us are kind of bumming each other out because we're just being honest about how we're feeling, about being cooped up inside, about not having all of those experiences that we were having like a month ago. They've just been kind of ripped away from us because of the circumstance. And I, what I want you to know from me, Liam, is that it's yeah. okay. It's okay to be a bummer. To be not, fair, not during the I podcast. Was describing the phenomena of the last five years of my life, actually. Oh, yes. This well. is just a culmination, really. <laughs> this is the shit icing on a cake of shit that's been developing over the last five or so years. You see any uh, interesting movies lately? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about one that you've seen. Okay, well, actually, it's not a movie. I started mm-hmm. watching that sh- that uh, Cursed Films show. Oh, right, of uh, course. Yeah, and I like it a lot, actually. There's a Poltergeist um, think, episode. Yeah, I just watched the Poltergeist episode okay. last night. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and and I really think that... Okay, shut uh, up. Shut up. I don't care about that. Liam. (laughs) (laughs) You really do, though. That's what's so funny. I actually would like to hear more about that, but for right now, we need to get to our guest who's waiting very patiently. Our guest today is the author of I Overcame My Autism and All I Got Was This Lousy Anxiety, which you can purchase in Canada right now uh, and in the U.S. on September 22nd. It's Sarah Kirchhoff. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm uh, like as well, I guess, as anyone can be given the circumstances. Thank you. <laughs> Sarah, things have, have not going gone according to plan when it comes to the launch of your book. No. Um, in addition to losing the actual launch party for my book, which was supposed to be on April 20th, um, I've lost most of the interviews and media coverage I was supposed to do to promote it because no one wants to talk about your sad autism memoir when there's you know a pandemic to talk about. I, I do. I really do feel badly for you uh, under these circumstances. Though I do think that once this thing is in our rear view, whenever that might be, that the attention will quite rightly go back to your book, which I'm very interested in reading. I haven't checked out yet, but I am going to read because, of course, I'm interested in you, Sarah, and I'm interested in your story. But can you tell us a little bit about this book? What what prompted you to write it? What should people expect when they check it out? Well, um, I've had. I've wanted to write something with that title for years because um, I grew up near Niagara Falls and just always thought those ridiculous. I, you know, my grandma went to Niagara Falls and all I got was this lousy T-shirt was like <laughs> the funniest construct for a bad joke ever. Um, so, you know, when I was being like a good autistic who wasn't looking autistic and was, you know, quote unquote, functioning in the world and it was all smoke and mirrors. Um but I was kind of dying inside and had a resting heart rate in the 80s or 90s. I thought, yeah, who became my autism and all I got was this lousy anxiety disorder. Um, so a couple of years ago, I had an essay in Hazlitt that people liked. An agent reached out to me and said, if you could write anything, what would you write? And I really, really tried to sell her on this autism teen sex comedy novel I wanted to write. And she very patiently said, okay, we'll talk about that later, but what about nonfiction? And then I threw the title at her and two years later, here we are. Um, It would be a complete dream scenario of this like fairy god agent coming out of the sky and getting me a book deal and it coming out instantly had a pandemic not shown up <laughs> right as the book was about to come out. <laughs> I mean, it makes it this whole launch aspect memorable for all the wrong reasons. Uh, Sarah, I know that, uh, and I don't want to belabor this, and I also don't want to ask you questions about it that everyone who has been talking to you about it has already asked, but uh, rather notably, you have a quote from Hannah Gadsby on the front cover of your, uh, your book. How did that come about? So when I was writing the book, um, there was, a uh, really, I thought, unfair New York Times review of Douglas mm-hmm. that hit a number of points that I thought were unexamined in relation to her autism and how she talks about autism in the show. And so I was whining about it on Twitter, as I am wont to do about everything. And someone said, you should write about it and went to like even the lengths of finding me an editor who is interested. Mm. And I, I wrote the entire book in about like the first draft of the manuscript in about six weeks. So it was like writing thousands of words a day about my life, some of which has like not been fun because I was a bullied, undiagnosed autistic kid, which leads to like less fun events. Mm. Um and so I was just like reliving childhood trauma, spilling it onto the page every day. And I'm like, I can't write an op-ed in the middle of this. <laughs> um, 
But then I realized no one else was going to write it. And also it was a decent fee. So um, (laughs) I wrote about how critics should at least try to be thoughtful of autism when they're talking about Douglas, which is not only is Hannah Gadsby an autistic person, but this is an autistic work of art. Like it's Mm. in the text, it's in the structure. She is both like an artist who has autism and an autistic artist who creates autistic art. And I think it's like absolutely vital that this is addressed. And so when it came out, she not only appreciated it, but liked the writing itself and said, oh, I see you're writing a book. Is there anything I can do to help you? And it all just sort of came together at the last minute. And I am so grateful. And I remember that New York Times article and I remember uh, some of the the responses to it. I remember when you wrote about it as well. So the fact that all of this came together... Boy, I'll tell you, this is this is still going to be a great story, Sarah, uh, about the release of your book. But it it certainly it certainly has been upended by all these recent events. And I'm sorry to hear it, but I do think that once people check this out, that they're going to be amazed by what they discover because I've read a lot of your writing in the past. One thing I do want to mention, I usually put this at the end with the plugs. Now, mm-hmm. I have a hesitancy to order through through Amazon uh, for for all the reasons that people would think that I would have a hesitancy. Where can people get this book? I know in Canada, you can order it now and in the States later. Where can people get it in a way that might not be through a place like Amazon? Uh, Well, Indigo is an option if you feel that's more of a moral gray area. Mm. Um, My publisher, Douglas and McIntyre, if you go to their website, is actually running a book concierge right now where they will find independent bookstores that can get the book to you too. So. Go through Douglas and McIntyre first. There you go. And of course, we'll put the links to that in the show notes today. But Sarah, though I am very interested in this book, and I'm glad that we were having the opportunity to talk about it, you're not here because you have a book. You're here no. because you have martial arts credentials that are, <laughs> that going, to, that are going to tie into... <laughs> The film that we're going to be no, covering. they're not, though. They're not going to tie in. Okay, sorry. No, come on. Like, the heavy, heavy martial arts content of this film, you guys would have been lost without me. Okay, um, that's fair. When I put the call out for someone with martial arts experience to be a guest on this episode, it was based on the fact that the film that we're covering today on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man is called A Karate Christmas Miracle, a film that I would have suspected would have a significant amount of karate (laughs) in it, uh, or at least martial arts of some form. That We'll get into how much of that is the actual case, but be that as it may, Sarah, you're here because of your martial arts credentials. Can you tell us a little bit about your background in uh, in martial arts. All right. Well, I am a retired pro- professional pillow fighter, first mm-hmm. of all. I fought under the name Sarah Bellum for a couple of years in the Pillow Fight League. I am also a lapsed martial artist. I have a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu under George Brito from Toronto BJJ. Um, I have a light blue band in Muay Thai under the um, shoot-a-box grading system, which Evolution Thai in Toronto uses. Um, I am a certified uh, cardio kickboxing instructor through cardio kickboxing Canada um, and although all of that has lapsed in my life I do currently uh, run a blog for a company called Asian World of Martial Arts which if you've ever seen like from the 70s on ads in the back of a comic for ninja stars <laughs> that's my company that's how I pay my rent I'm very <laughs> proud of it <laughs> personal friends with the late Count Dante um, yes <laughs> <laughs> so Sarah you have 
I mean, you're you're bonafide when it comes to the whole martial arts thing. You're also, of course, an accomplished writer about mixed martial arts as well for Fightland and other That's places correct. as well. So, I mean, you are the person to talk to about a karate Christmas miracle from the year 2019, <laughs> co-starring Martin Cove from The Karate Kid as well as Eric Roberts. Of course, we can't get into that yet. But I, Liam, I think you, Liam, what is your martial arts background, by the way? Oh, um, <laughs> I did capoeira for a semester. Is this true? Uh, oh, yes. Um, and, um, and okay, so this is going to sound totally ridiculous. Please. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I also, so technically none. I have no martial arts experience. Sure. I'm not bad at capoeira, even though I only did it for a, uh, for a semester because of going to hardcore shows. And so oh, okay. doing a lot of spin kicks at hardcore shows. So <laughs> I actually was in the, I was actually in, in the beginning class and then they pushed me to the intermediate class. Cause they're like, what? they're like, yeah, you, you, you're too good at the kicks. Like, <laughs> like all we, cause, cause intro capoeira is basically people who've never like stretched in their life. You mm. know what I mean? So they're like, okay, like, Clearly, you have to learn the techniques and stuff, but like you can, you can, you can move forward to the next class just because you already know how to like kick above your hip. And I was like, <laughs> oh, and they, it, 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 and so like, I, it was weird because a lot of people take uh, martial arts to get better at hardcore dancing. I'm not, not anymore. <laughs> this was in the '90s, but, but in the late 90s early 2000s that's just true that's just a fact uh and so like uh, it was weird to like go the other direction and be like oh i'm not bad at capoeira because i do this other thing but when i moved to philly the only capoeira uh studio in the in my neighborhood closed and i couldn't find another one and now in the lehigh valley the there was one that i was looking into that closed as well so i haven't done anything capoeira related i know i should do other stuff just as a way to keep in shape because I have a lot of friends, a lot of friends who've done Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and a few friends who've done it like uh, international competition wise. Sure. And they always tell me I should give it a try. And I've just never it's actual. See, Kepwara, I get that it's related to fighting, but it's just dancing, really. Mm. And actual things scare me. I don't I don't at least be at least Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you're rolling. That's less scary. Anything that has to do with striking, I'm like, I don't want to get hit. I don't like getting hit. I've been knocked out multiple times at shows. I'm not trying to get knocked out on purpose. <laughs> I would go back to striking before I'd ever go back to grappling. Like, Really? There's more inherent risk, but day-to-day, you don't wake up in as much pain. Like, grappling is just like full huh. body aches all the time. I totally believe you, but I just have a natural fear of getting hit. Like there's just something like, you know, (laughs) I've, I've, I've been in, I've been in some super scary situations that didn't give me anxiety. But the moment I see a fist coming at my face, I just naturally like, it's not like a slow thing. Like I act like I've never been more afraid of anything in my life. But it's also going to be a controlled environment. Like you're going to have a bunch of padding on you. I know. Not I'm not saying it's a rational thing. Bare-fisted fighting, like the karate fighters in the movie we're about to talk about. <laughs> oh yeah, we saw them doing so much tough fighting. Uh, Liam, I uh, I don't want to sway you either way in regards to what direction you might go. But if you do go into the grappling side of things, of course you'll be joining such luminaries as both Kevin James, the King of Queens, and Ed O'Neill, Al Bundy himself, both uh, uh, enthusiastic Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners. Is that is that an encouragement or a discouragement? I can't I, tell. You can interpret that any way you would like to. But you know, Ed O'Neill, he really does love the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Oh, he's legit. Like he's actual Jiu Jitsu people love him. Yeah. 
Wouldn't you like to train with Al Bundy, Liam O'Donnell? Ah, <sighs> uh, all right. Let's move away from martial arts just for a moment. We'll talk about the latest Eric Roberts news on the Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for Eric Roberts is the fucking man Redux, and we start with an announcement as of the release of this episode. It's recently been April 18th, and that would be the birthday of one Mr. Eric Roberts. He turned 64 in the year 2020. Uh, We know that Eric Roberts is spending his time quarantined at the moment, but we wish him a very happy birthday uh, from all of us at Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Um, Eric, we need to talk. We need to have a chat. I know you have a lot more extra time because you aren't out doing a lot of roles lately. Liam and I, Sarah included, I'm going to speak for her. We love you so much. We want to make sure you're okay. So let's have a chat in the very near future. Or at the very least, maybe one of our listeners can uh, get a personalized message on Cameo. Right, Liam? Sounds great. Sounds great. You weren't even listening to what I was saying. As per usual, uh, you just endorse someone do cameo, which is actually a terrible idea. But I just wanted you to sound not like an idiot. Celebrities need to be able to make money in these troubled times too, Liam. And on some not celebrities, there on cameo. What is your moral uh, difficulty with uh, with cameo, Liam? There's nothing more embarrassing than cameo. In do you the know world. who recently joined cameo? This might change your mind. Who? John Cleese. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's the worst. It's so embarrassing. It's like, let's take whatever art you might have had in the world and turn you into a dancing bear. Do you know that Christopher McDonald, the actor who played Shooter McGavin in the movie Happy Gilmore, you can order a cameo for him from him in the character of Shooter McGavin? I mean, I have a friend who I have a friend who has a record label, and he recently, when they launched like their their you know, new releases for the year. Uh-huh. He paid one of the, one of the guys from ICP to yeah. endorse all the, like to do a cameo basically and for all the things. And it was funny watching this ICP guy pretend like he knew who these bands were. Cause he clearly didn't. But that being said, it's so embarrassing. Well, despite your feelings, Liam, we endorse Eric Roberts on cameo. Please get a personalized message from him. Not embarrassing. Let the man make some money as he's sitting at home. We continue. I just need a bunch of money to like get, like live stream autographs of DDT wrestlers. So I yeah. can't judge Cameo at all. I, there's no reason to judge anyway. Liam is just a judgmental person, Liam. Maybe it's because of all those oh, concussions fun. that you've had from your hardcore dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I had any concussions, but I probably did, huh? Well, if you were knocked unconscious several times, I would say that chances are that you've suffered from some concussions. And admittedly, your performance, your declining performance on Eric Roberts is the fucking man would suggest that there might be some CTE issues here. Stop, I'm, I'm speaking stop seriously it. now. You should get stop yourself checked out. Stop it. <laughs> stop it. You would be lost without me. Yeah, I certainly would. We would continue today with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word, and I think that you should. On April 9th, Eric Roberts tweeted, Oh, at Pink, we keep playing your Dear Mr. President, worthy of a reboot. Sometimes the things we wish would not remain relevant do. Our hashtag hearts Go to you and yours. This is Eric Roberts talking to the singer Pink about her uh, famous song, Dear Mr. President. He thinks a reboot is necessary because of his, Eric Roberts' feelings about Donald Trump. But I want to know your thoughts, starting with our guest today, Sarah. Sarah, what do you think about Pink? Um, 
she puts on an incredible live show. Um, and I've talked to a number of people from her label in Canada who are like, yeah, sometimes we have to pretend to like pop stars, but we love Pink. And I'm Aww. totally on board with that. That's great. This might be a difficult question, Sarah, and you can you can refuse to answer it. This is not a situation where you have to answer. But if you had to rank the participants in the Lady Marmalade music video, what would you, how would you go? How would that go? I think there's five participants. Oh, God. Who was in that again? I, I will tell you. I remember them all. I believe it's Maya. I believe it's, uh, of course, Pink. Christina yes. Aguilera. And uh, who am I missing here? Uh, uh, Missy E. And yep. uh, who the rapper who changed how she looked very significantly. Lil' Kim. Oh. Oh, yeah. Wow. Lil' Kim. Okay. I was completely blanking on Lil' Kim. Me, too. As did the world, I guess, for the last few years. That's mean. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. <laughs> Rank them. Oh God. Um, this is gonna be well. Missy E has to come first. Sure. There's just no way around that. Um, and then I would say Pink, and okay. then I put Maya, which is not so much a critical choice. It's just like a personal fondness for her. Sure. Um, and then Christina Aguilera, and then Lil Kim. All right, I think that's pretty fair. Now, Liam, you didn't know what I was talking about then. Were you not around for the Moulin Rouge-inspired Lady Marmalade music video? No, I don't know what you're talking about. I, how could you re- – do you really not know what I'm talking about? It was, like, omnipresent at the time. Yeah. I still watch it every once in a while. Little King. Oh, uh, oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. I do remember. I have a blood oath against uh, Moulin Rouge, so I've never watched the video. I've never watched Moulin Rouge, Liam. This is not about Moulin Rouge. This is about a song from its soundtrack, I guess, or No, I'm just explaining. By... My irrational response to the movie is why I've never watched the video, so I don't remember who was in it. What do you think about Pink, though, Liam? She's punk like uh, you. She's a big punk. Uh, she's... No, nope, gonna punk. go with go, gonna go with a no on that one. <laughs> gonna go with uh, I should care about her because she's from Doylestown, which is only forty five minutes from where I am right sure. now. Sure, uh, and yet I'm gonna go with uh, she's fine. I mean, I don't have anything against her. I just it's she's never done anything that particularly appealed to me. But I don't understand, like I uh, because I think she's from the area. A number mm-hmm. of people I know have strong negative feelings. Oh, okay, her, she has a bad rep think, in, in Doylestown. I think that's unjustified. I think that's just like you can't you can't please your home. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that, that no, that's I like a it. that's a isn't that in the Bible? You know, you, you, you know, yeah. or prophet in their hometown or whatever. I think people just like like to hate on her because they know who she is. But for me, it's just she's a she you know she's a pop star. She does something that's supposed to be hip hop that's not, and whatever, it's fine. Now, recently, Eric Roberts has been tweeting some very controversial things, Liam, and this might be particularly controversial for you because of your noted right wing leanings. Um, Eric Roberts seems to have some negative feelings about the current president of the United States, as was just referred to in that uh, pink tweet. On April 6th, he was uh, he was on kind of a rampage, I would say. He says, I think there was a typo. This is not a hashtag wartime president. This is a hashtag war crime president. And he's the perp. And then he followed that up with, and this is pretty damning as well. Uh, By the way, you might notice that for that first one that I just read, uh, for the uh, screenshot that you're looking at, there is a retweet from me on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Other presidents read newspapers. You should try it at Real Donald Trump. Ignorance can be murder. Liam, your thoughts on your your president, Donald Trump? I mean... How is he uh, (laughs) handling this whole pandemic uh, situation here oh pretty badly right like i don't think when <laughs> that's I, not what I i've been reading 
I don't know. I don't. I don't understand because it's funny you bring this up, Doug. Just in case we do have any new listeners, I am not at all right wing, Doug. Just likes to mess with me. Uh, in fact, I, we were just driving in some of the wooded areas near our house, in which there are a number of homes uh, sporting this Trump 2020 flag that says "No more bullshit" on the end. Now, what I love about this flag for me is that you're literally your candidate is literally a continuation of what's happened over the last four years. <laughs> so if you're concerned over the amount of bullshit, you might want, I don't know, a different candidate. But no, 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 no. It's almost like the flag is saying, hey, guys, I know I've been fucking up, but the next four years, trust me, no more bullshit. I'm actually going to be a president. Um, I, look, he's fucked it all up. He's responsible for thousands of deaths, you know, and yet the Democratic Party still has trouble putting up a real inspiring candidate. So this is where we're at. The world is is falling apart. And I'm just assuming this uh, this uh, this whole pandemic is just a lead up to some sort of stand like clash between a creepy guy in a in a denim jacket and, and a kind old lady. So that's just what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to hear the call of uh, of good or evil and then to, to head to to whatever location I am to meet the, the, the leader of the of the army. Liam, you know what this reminds me of? What? Harry Potter. The children's books? Stop. It's Everything like, Stop. I it's hate like, you so much. It's like Donald Trump is Voldemort. Oh, no. I'm not supposed to say his name, I don't think. <laughs> Liam? I have never read a Harry Potter book or seen one of the films, and I have just not oh. understood any reference a liberal has made for the past 20 years. <laughs> Sounds like a it's, Hufflepuff. What, is that what it is? <laughs> it's so weird. It's, it's so weird because when I, you know, I, I was working with uh, teenagers when I read those books and I only read them because the kids were like, oh, these books are so great. And then I finished the books. I don't think the last one was out yet, but I finished what was out at the time. And I was like, yo, these actually aren't that bad. Like, uh, I, you know, I kind of take back all the skepticism I had. They're, they're pretty good. And then between the fucking people using it as the only map for which to describe the real world and fucking J.K. Rowling being some turf weirdo turns out like i was right back when i hated the books for no reason because <laughs> they, you know they, turns out they're the worst things ever apparently well i it's just i think that just sounds like you wanting to hate things that are popular liam because you have a natural tendency to do so because you are that's, a that's straight not true. That's, not true. Punk. that's not true it's not true i love beyonce so there you go <laughs> queen b will not be denied in the uh, o'donnell household i would say liam I mean, Solange is better, but I love Beyonce. Oh, boy. All right. More <laughs> controversial takes here on the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast. Moving away from the president of the United States, but towards, again, what you were referring to a few minutes ago about Cameo, Liam. You're going to feel really foolish after I read this tweet. April 5th, <laughs> Eric Roberts says, COVID redefining everything, redefining stardom. A superstar used to be someone who performed live for the biggest crowd. Now a superstar is someone who performs live for a crowd of no one. Thank you, artists, for staying in. Uh, some strong words here, Sarah, from Eric Roberts. Do you agree or disagree? Well, you know what? I agree in part because I like to believe that this is now my chance at stardom to mm. read my book uh. from my home. Sorry, Liam, you were trying to interrupt the her passion statement? No, I just said yes. I'm sorry. I just agree. Sarah, any other thoughts? Do you think that we should all be staying home? Do you think it's overblown? Do you think we should be sending children back to school? Oh, God, no. Um, mm. I mean, I'm a hypochondriac anyway. I was staying in before everyone else figured it out. <laughs> um, but obviously, we're, the virus doesn't care about our bravery. It doesn't mm. care if we stiff up our lip and go out into the world. 
it's not going to run away from us. It's going to infect people and overload hospitals. Um, and as much as it sucks, and as much as I would like to return to normal, I do think, and I'm not trying to silver lining this, I'm not a silver lining person at all, but I am tr- intrigued at how performance and artistry is changing and some of the creative stuff that people are just like finding workarounds to do. Um, in lieu of any actual hope, I am taking some solace in that. Now, Liam, you were telling me off air that uh, about the numbers of people who get sick with the flu every year and how that really trumps the number of, of COVID uh, infections, as well as something about hydrochloroquine. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> I don't know. How much can you hit this same joke over and over again? It, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah, here's, here's the deal. I, I, the, the, there is something that I've heard uh, my more uh, less open-minded friend would say that I will agree with, which is simply this. I do think like shame is actually not the most effective tool to get people to listen. And so like as angry as I get, like when I go out and I see people out here acting like it's normal life, not having masks on, you know, I got, I got a type one diabetes. So like I'm one of those people that might die pretty easily if I get this thing. So when I see these folks, I'm, I want to, I mean, quite literally, I want to beat them up. Like that's Mm -hmm. my emotional reaction. But I also know that like just being out here being like, constantly you know banging the drum of like for shame it's clearly not working like clearly these people don't care that that you know what i mean so like it just starts to wear on my nerves when people think like the 10th video they post like (laughs) you know bemoaning people playing basketball in their neighborhood that they've accomplished something like that just it just starts to grade on me a little bit of this feeling you know i guess because it's feel like these people care about public health it's just like a new outlet for being righteous that's what i'm saying it's 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 such a way to be like i'm on the right side of history like cool do you want a (laughs) right side of history award like i just don't think you should get an award for not being an asshole you should just not be an asshole and then like there's so many more issues like like you could take all the energy you took complaining about basketball players and pour it into advocating for releasing prisoners or emptying out detention centers or or you know think there there are actual things that like need public action on more mm. than just your neighbor sucks now don't get me wrong I have complained about my <laughs> uh, landlord invading my space but that's like to me just a personal why is this guy over here doing gardening 12 days in a row it doesn't make any sense but that's like again i don't think i'm like accomplishing it's it's that like hey i'm really doing my part because i'm letting people know there's kids on bikes in my neighborhood Mm -hmm. okay i get it i get that you're worried i'm worried too but like come on y'all like it's it there has to be a better way for you to use your energy right now uh that being said I have actually almost hit someone at the grocery store because they got so close to me that I was like, what do you think is going on right now? Do you not know? If I die, I'm going to come and find you. I'm uh, I'm coming around on Sarah's perspective that you should maybe train in striking before grappling. <laughs> <laughs> now, the big news in the Eric Roberts verse over the last few weeks is that Eric Roberts is at home. Eric Roberts can't be the productive, almost obsessively productive actor that he is known to be. I can only imagine the damage that this is doing to his internet movie database profile. Hundreds of roles potentially taken away from us as uh, as dedicated viewers. But what he is getting is some attention from TMZ, Liam's favorite uh, news outlet, TMZ. Eric Roberts says that quarantine is like vacation. 
But coronavirus screwed my movie opening with three exclamation points. This was an interview that Eric did on TMZ Live, uh, where he was talking about his movie Inside the Rain, which was supposed to have a big, uh, like, a premiere that he wasn't able to do. I, I don't know how... He, I don't know if he was actually going to attend this premiere. I imagine if Eric Roberts started going to premieres, he would never have any free time. But this must be a relatable thing that Eric Roberts is talking about, Sarah. It's it's really comparable to what you're experiencing at the moment. Absolutely. Eric Roberts and I are going through the exact same thing right now. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, this must be as simpatico as you've ever felt with Eric Roberts. And what what I want (laughs) to know, Sarah, is if you had some encouraging words to share with Eric Roberts right now, what would they be? Well, you know, um, I this is my first book launch, and I'm sure he's had other film openings, so I'm not sure I can really comfort him on that end. But uh, I've been working at home a lot, so I feel like maybe his morning gym routine is more my focus. Um, body weight, and there's this great like Reebok step workout from 1992 that you can find on YouTube right now, and I think everyone should just do that. Mm, and in fact, this in this article, as you, you were just referring to, Eric says that the hardest part about this is the adjustment because he can't go to the gym every morning. Now, notoriously, Eric's wife, Eliza, she has a setup where her she has like a stationary bicycle at home that is also attached to her computer that she actually rides all day as she's doing work. Uh, they recently on the Eric Roberts uh, YouTube page posted a little update showing how that uh, operates. Maybe for others who are working from home and are looking to get some exercise in, that's a, an option for them as well. Liam, creating a stationary bike work setup. What do you think? I don't know how you could do I mean, <laughs> I've seen that sort of thing before, right? Like you've seen the walking desk where it's mm. like a treadmill. I don't know how you do that. I don't think maybe that's for people who can pat their head and rub their belly at the same time, but that's not me. That's just a lot of hours on a bike seat. Yeah, that's also yeah. yeah you would get sores, right? I would assume yeah. you would get butt sores. Well, yeah. I mean, well, it, Eliza, if you are listening to this, please tell us about your butt sores. <laughs> Give us some <laughs> updates in these troubled times. Eric says that he gets about the quarantine entirely because he wants to be extra careful. Because he's a granddad. Some wise words here from Eric Roberts on the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb feed is 2021's The Rideshare Killer from director Ashley Scott Myers, who also directed 2018's The Pinch. The plot is, the young female CEO of a new ride-sharing app must stop a serial killer who's using the app to lure victims into his car before he destroys the company and kills her entire technology team. Seems a very uh, timely Plot summary, maybe a little too timely now that I'm going over it. Uh, featuring Eric Roberts as the character Lieutenant Moyer, as well as Tuesday Night, with a K, as Julia Altamari and Oliver Robbins as Billy. Coming soon in 2021, maybe. This might be interrupted or pushed back because of the uh, coronavirus outbreak. It's the Rideshare Killer. Sarah, what do you think? Rideshare Killer. Well, it's, you know, so timely, and I'm sure will not be exploitive of real-life conditions whatsoever. Um you know, maybe in these times, if they can't get together to film it, they could do like creative shit filming themselves on their iPhones. And it would be, you know, multiple layers of app use and technology and a commentary on our times. You know, in these troubled times, uh, perhaps they could pivot because they can't go out mm. and shoot and they could make it about like food delivery apps instead. <gasps> oh. Right. Someone coming to your house, murdering you. I mean, this does happen. Rip from the headlines. Liam, what do you think? Sold in the room. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> filming starts next week. We'll get Eric Roberts on the phone. Maybe we can hire him via Cameo, Liam. <laughs> I Do you think that happens that people are getting hired to do actual work over Cameo? Is that happen? Okay, think about the movie that we're going to be talking about after our break today and how Eric Roberts is featured in that movie and as well as how Martin Cove is featured in that movie. Don't you think that they could have just paid the 50 bucks or whatever on Cameo and, <laughs> and, and got that and put that in their movie? Are we sure that's not what happened? <laughs> I think it was pre-Cameo, thankfully. But, uh, uh. <laughs> but Liam, I, I could see – because think about how this uh, – we'll talk about it after the break. But this movie is advertised on uh, two famous actors' names – and those actors' performances were for an, another movie, so why not just have an all-star movie in the uh, vein of Surge of Power where everyone is just cameoed in? Someone's listening to what I'm saying right now and getting like an idea, and we're going to have the worst movie in the world in about nine months from now. <laughs> I just think legally it wouldn't hold up. I, I don't think know. That, I don't think no one would agree. I don't think anyone would agree to do it what they needed to do over cameo. And then agree to have you sell what they did on Cameo to other people. There's got to be something in the terms and conditions where you can't. Like, I bet whoever recorded uh, the dude from uh, Motley Crue looking like an idiot, I bet you that guy got in trouble. Two two episodes in a row where you mentioned this Motley Crue Cameo video. <laughs> really? Did I mention it before? <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely did. It's so upsetting, though. All right. Well, let, you know what? We need to calm down a little bit. Let's take our first break. And we'll come back to something much more pleasant, much more interesting to talk about. It's a karate Christmas miracle from the year 2019. We'll talk about that right after this. I'm working on my 12 days of Christmas list. Last year, Dad told me that if I did everything on the list, I could have whatever I wanted for Christmas. And this year, all I want for Christmas is for Dad to come home. Well, as you know, he just started, and he's yellow belt. But man, he's a quick study. That kid is tough. He got that from his father. The physical toughness. Yeah, I have to earn my black belts by Christmas, and I have to teach myself. What? J Jesse, a black belt by Christmas? Okay, stick with me. This is going to be a long one. After his father disappeared during a mass shooting on Christmas Day the year before, precocious 10-year-old Jesse Genesis... Yeah, creates a 12 days of Christmas list of tasks. He believes that if he completes them all, including becoming a self-taught karate black belt, his father will return on Christmas Day. Jesse's sophisticated workaholic mother, Abby, believes that her husband died in the shooting, but visions that Jesse reports to her give her a glimmer of hope. After Abby enlists the aid of an eccentric psychic-turned-law professor, a roller coaster thriller ensues, and the trio unravels an unexpected mystery, and maybe, just maybe, will witness the delivery of a miracle that can only happen on Christmas. That is a karate Christmas miracle from the year 2019, directed by Julie Kimmel, and uh, written uh, by Ken Del Vecchio, or he at least wrote the story while the screenplay was written by Julie Kimmel and David Landau. Now, Julie Kimmel had worked with Ken Del Vecchio in the past as a camera operator on the documentary Renaissance Man, which was about Del Vecchio. We've discussed him before. We've covered one of his movies. Del Vecchio is an interesting character, which I'm sure we're going to get into in just a few moments. He, uh, he produces uh, and, and features in a lot of anti-choice horror movies, a lot of... Um, strongly uh, presented and uh, strongly political, I would say, 
movies, including ones about Obama, about gun gun rights, things like that. A number of them, and that there are elements of that in this movie. The history of this movie is something we'll get into as well as we start talking about it. But before we do any of that, I want to start with our guest today, Sarah. Yes. What you're an expert on mixed martial arts. Enough. Yeah. And you are a practitioner of martial arts. Yes. What did you think of a karate Christmas miracle? Well, mm-hmm. yes. I'm still trying to figure out where the karate comes into it. <laughs> Uh, there are brief martial arts scenes, none of which are karate-based. <laughs> Although the belt grading system is from karate. Um, so my opinion as a martial artist is like, what the fuck? Which is not that far <laughs> off from my opinion as someone who also writes about film. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're at the unique combination of those two things, and your response to both is, what the fuck? Which is an interesting, though completely justified response so just to let this people film is mind-boggling on so many different levels that i don't want to tell anyone to watch it but i can't there none of us will be able to explain this in a way that will actually encompass what we saw so like uh, the only way to know is to see it yeah exactly and you can watch it by the way for free on tubi.tv uh, right now you can watch it with ads over there and if you are going to check it out that's the probably the best way to do so rather than actually purchasing a copy which God help you. Do so, not give the money. <laughs> yeah, do not, if you can help it. So just to, to elaborate a little bit on that already too long intro, the, the kid wants to get a black belt as part of this 12 Days of Christmas list. Now, as a setup for a Christmas movie, that's not so bad outside of the father getting mowed down by a gunman part. But the idea that this kid is like, he misses his father who's passed away, and he feels like he's convinced himself that if he completes these 12 tasks, that his father will return. This movie spends no time on these tasks at all. It's introduced, then the kid vanishes for most of the movie, he is shown to be a genius, uh, who also is perfect at everything except for push-ups, and... (laughs) And then at the end, he does achieve a black belt, though we don't actually see him go through any of the struggle of it. We see him training once, and uh, and that's it. And then he just has it at the end. So that's not what this Every movie scene is about. he appears in, there's a new belt on yes. him, too. Like, it's a very interesting process. <laughs> he is getting some advice from Martin Cove from the Karate Kid movies. Um, but we'll talk about that in a moment as well. But before <laughs> we do that, Liam, your th- Yes, please. Uh, I just a clarifying thing. Isn't there a suggestion that the kid is also psychic to explain his dreams? Yes, there is a suggestion that the kid has psychic abilities. Uh, this movie, it, its plot is a little bit confusing at times. <laughs> the, the other thing to note that the the child, uh, the the kid Mario Del Vecchio, is playing this child Jesse Genesis, uh, the son of producer Ken Del Vecchio, and we'll talk about him in a moment as well. Um, this movie is meant to show him, I guess, in his best light. He's just supposed to be the perfect kid. He's, he's, you know, we're supposed to all aspire to be a kid like this. But then the movie doesn't focus on him at all. It's really about the mother and her um, relationship with this psychic law professor and her eventual realization that she doesn't really know her husband at all. Her husband, played by the writer Kendall Vecchio, uh, he actually is also a perfect man. He not only respects the Second Amendment, but he also volunteers at a soup kitchen. He teaches women self-defense classes because he is a black belt in karate, which she was not aware of. Uh, And despite the fact that I guess that he was not teaching his son karate, 
Instead, he was having Martin Cove do it. And anyway, we'll talk about that. Liam, what did you think of a karate Christmas miracle? Sarah said she couldn't uh, recommend this movie, and I feel the same way, except for I did. Uh, immediately <laughs> after finishing it, I messaged two friends who delight in terrible things, who truly love the weirdest of the weird and the strangest of the strange. And not only did I suggest they see it, I challenged them that if they could explain either the plot or what karate had to do with the plot, <laughs> I would give them 20 American dollars because <laughs> this movie doesn't make any sense. And th- let's be clear about something. A lot of times when someone says, oh, I saw that movie, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Often what they mean is I saw that film and I thought through some of the decisions that were made. And I don't think they quite line up with what I think makes sense. Sure. Whereas this is a film in which every 15 minutes or so, I would say, I'm not sure what's happening right now. And not in a cool uh, Yodorowsky way where, you know, you're watching a guy beat up Clay Jesus or something cool like that. No, no, no. This is a narrative, like a through narrative linear plot in which, again, at least every 15 minutes, I'd say... I don't understand what's happening right now because it just nothing connects. It doesn't make sense. There is a there is a dream theater that is <laughs> exists where apparently Eric Roberts is being projected, but he's not physically there. There's, uh, you know, uh, uh, Martin Cove is also in a theater and also has a clown mask. I don't I don't understand any of that stuff whatsoever. I certainly don't understand the way that the film uh uh, you know the 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 main crux of the film seems to not be the kid, as you suggested, Doug. But but his wife, uh, and apparently she is a bad wife because uh, she doesn't know all these things about her husband's life. None of that was on him to tell her that he was doing these <laughs> things. She just uh, uh, Abby Genesis by Genesis. God, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Abby, Abby Genesis played by Mila Milosevic. Uh, that she just is just, you know, she should have known. She should have seen these things. It certainly wasn't on him to tell her about his secret life. I mean, that man probably has a second family somewhere, the way <laughs> things are going. And and yet that's all on, on her, you know, because she's too busy trying to sell applesauce as the new pudding. It, uh, uh, this movie. And then I noticed in our list here, am I wrong? The the woman who played the psychic lawyer isn't there, right? Is that yeah, that's, not that's one of the true. cast? I don't, I don't have her name here, no. Whoever she is, she needed to get the memo. Uh, so this film plays like a lot of this level of film in which uh, other than our famous people who, by the way, aren't actually physically in the film anyway. <laughs> we'll talk about they're that. being <laughs> projected in from a different film. Other than our famous people, no one is really acting. They're all acting in a way you act because, you know, the guy making the movie and you're trying to, like, do him a solid. That's the performance we're getting. Um I, I will say Mila Milosevic is trying a little bit more. She's she's putting a little bit in. But the woman who plays the psychic lawyer, she thinks she's in a real movie. And no matter how stupid her dialogue gets, she's trying to sell it to you. Now, the weird part about that is that she's in most of these scenes with Mila Milosevic, who is not interested in putting a lot into the role. So they're acting past each other the entire film and you're just going what is happening right now it it just it creates a level of chaos that is hard to comprehend uh all that said 
Um, I fell asleep four times and had to watch this <laughs> twice, basically. Uh, that's a Karate Christmas Miracle. So let me explain a few things to our listeners who might might be a little confused by what we've been talking about so far. So the this all traces back to an event in 2012 when there was a shooting at a movie theater uh, in Aurora in the United States. It, it, it was very notorious at the time. And Ken Vecchio made a movie about this or inspired by it called Joker's Poltergeist. And this movie came out in 2015 and was about a similar situation about someone dressed as a clown who went on this shooting spree, I guess, at a theater. And of course, the, that movie uh, was uh, the movie that was playing in the actual shooting was The Dark Knight and because of the Joker. Anyway, there's connections there. So Joker's Poltergeist. That movie featured Eric Roberts and Martin Cove in the cast. And their part in that movie entirely exist, existed with them in front of a green screen with things projected behind them. Martin Cove in that movie is the same Martin Cove we have here with the same background. These are just clips from that movie that have been transplanted into this movie. So the fact that this, you know, theoretically uplifting Christmas movie has a side plot about the father being massacred by this theater shooter, it's because it comes from a horror movie that this isn't. This is a uplifting family movie that they have taken a plot point and performances from a horror movie. Every time it switches to like a dream sequence, it's obviously from a different movie because it's all filmed differently. The lighting is completely different. The performances are creepy. So it, it in terms of tonal whiplash, this movie is so strange. But also, there's no real explanation of who these characters are. As you suggested, Liam, Martin Coe's character is a theater owner. By the way, his daughter that he talks to in this, in this movie, in the dream, he's talking to his daughter in a dream. She's named Aurora, which is a little on the nose as well. So Martin Cove is a theater owner, but he also gets a dream phone call from this kid later on who gives, like Martin Cove gives him advice about getting his black belt. So he's also, I guess, being trained over the phone by Martin Cove. Eric Roberts, I defy anybody to explain who Eric Roberts is supposed to be in this movie. In some way, he's supposed to be connected to the massacre. We never really understand what that is. So it is awfully confusing to watch this. And by the way, again, the two names in this movie are taken from a movie that... I, I do wonder if I was to tell Eric Roberts that he's in this movie, if he'd be like, what? I wasn't in a karate Christmas miracle. Uh, though, <laughs> maybe he would be. <laughs> With the name changes and things like that, maybe he just uh, he wouldn't care that much. When you think about the martial arts content in this movie, Sarah. Yes. Okay, so there is... The kid wears uh, like a, a gi... Uh, I don't know if... Yeah, so he wears that and has uh, different belts every time we see him. He wears that uniform for the entire movie, except for the times when he's in bed. And he even even shows up in a classroom (laughs) to point at the law professor to tell her that Santa Claus is innocent because she's doing a scenario about the law and this kid is supposed to be some sort of genius because he's the son of... Anyway. So we do see him practice some martial arts in this movie, but you're telling me that this is not karate that we're seeing? No, it's really not karate. It's, I believe most of what we're watching the kid do is jiu-jitsu, probably Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But it's also just always him and one other kid alone with some sort of listless adult watching on and not controlling anything. And it's just 
barehanded combat. <laughs> and these kids, in theory, just allowed to beat the shit out of each other with no real instruction or technique involved. I think the kid tries an Americana at one point. There's a little bit of work from Mount. There's also some, you know, random striking. Um, and, you know, I, I think he does try a kick that could technically be a karate-style kick at home at one point probably in front of the portrait of his father that he recites everything to when he is following what is ostensibly the plot of the movie and trying to do his 12 days of practice. <laughs> these pictures, by the way, are in Wait. every room of the house, the pictures of his father, which are all just these like publicity photos but for Kendall Vecchio. <laughs> just like these yeah. ridiculous pose photos of just him just standing there staring at the camera. Uh, Liam, yeah, you have some no interjections? Mm. Wait, Sarah, are you telling me that when he's laying on the couch kicking the leather cushion, that that's not an official karate move well i mean i'm sure it depends on the school and i'm not familiar with every style of <laughs> what about what about the self-defense class where multiple women just seem to be manhandling each other with no instructor present that like sadly is probably one of the most realistic things about this film because <laughs> for teaching self-defense it's usually just someone who gets really excited that they know like five martial arts moves usually not from the same discipline and just like goes and teaches unsuspecting women how to defend yourself with these fancy moves that fall apart and you're never going to remember if you're being attacked in the street um so yeah that was realistic <laughs> <laughs> so the mother of this prodigy, the most of the movie is spent with her and the relationship with this lawyer who was in her past life a psychic. She left that life because she worked with the police and she kept running into corpses, which I guess you would if you were psychic, um, which isn't a real thing, just my opinion. Um, and so they they team up together. And this psychic, like you said, Liam, she's kind of freewheeling. It's a real performance. But at some point near the end of the movie... Am I wrong in thinking that she discovers that maybe she wasn't actually psychic at all? Because she uh, had had a vision about her fiancé that he was going to die. And then they broke up. And then near the end of the movie, she runs into her uh, ex-fiancé. And he is now married with a kid. And she says, you know, I always thought he was dead and your husband was alive. And maybe this means that that I was wrong about everything. Or there's some implication. Liam, am I, am I misinterpreting what I'm I'm saying there? Yes, that is what, but okay. But even that thing, first of all, she's already established that her psychic abilities are like being nearsighted yes. where she can't really see what's going on. And every once in so, a while she has like a dead zone thing where if she touches uh, the, uh, someone's hand. She has a vision of something. But the thing about that that doesn't make any sense is like realizing that he's alive. Maybe the vision was that he would have died if you had stayed together or something yeah. like that. It doesn't, there's no, that whole scene other than another excuse for them to get drunk, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, but if we go with the idea that she wasn't psychic, then doesn't that make every part of the movie involving these two women completely unnecessary? No, she was psychic. She just had one whoopsie at oh, the okay. end. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> I mean, she did work with the police, and the police certainly wouldn't work with some sort of fake psychic. That would never happen. Oh, uh, found all the dead bodies. Okay? Yeah, that's true. No, I, I get, I get where you're going, Doug. But the reality is, like, that none of it is consistent. Like, even this, you know, saying like, "Well, this doesn't make sense." It's like, yeah, yeah, but a lot I of see, it doesn't make yeah. sense. 
as far as the film has any logic at all, like within this film's kayfabe, like she was psychic and she had one boo-boo. I'm pretty uh, sure that's the okay. case. Okay, well, that's fair enough. But she's under the impression that because she made this one error that she could also have been making an error about this woman's husband potentially but being alive. to be directly related. It was like an either or. One of these men is dead. I just picked the wrong one. Re- remember when she has a vision of her husband alive visiting uh, the daughter of Martin Cove in the hospital? Do, do both of you remember this moment? Yes. What does that have to do with anything? What does that, how does that make any sense? Sarah, explain it to me. It's because he's a good man and she didn't realize that he was visiting people she didn't know he knew in the hospital after they got shot at things she only seemed to tangentially realize he was at where people got shot. Okay. So that was the shooting where he was shot and killed though, right? But he was... Well, can we spoil the end? Okay, we're going to spoil the ending right now. But before you talk about it, Sarah, I'm just going to bring it up. Just just explain what happens. This kid gets a black belt. We don't see him go through the trials or the, the practice or anything like that. He just is at home, has a black belt, and then he smashes a piece of wood with his elbow and his no, family. That's how he earns the black belt. That's how he smashing this piece of wood. I guess he can he just. Got he, the home a lot he got the with home that one chest. piece of wood. Yeah. Yeah, He's so a self-taught karate black belt. So it's Christmas Day. His family are there. His grandparents are there. That psychic lady is there. And then his father, as soon as he cracks his board, his father just walks through the door. And everyone is like, like overwhelmed. They're like, oh, my God, he is alive. And he comes in and he hugs them. And he says, I escaped. And then he also mentions he, he picks up the black belt and he says, you got this for me. <laughs> And I don't know that like there's so much so strange and weird. So Sarah, explain it to me. Who did he <laughs> who did he escape from? Where okay. was he the entire movie? Well, I'm assuming it was the traditional half theater shooting, half kidnapping. Of course, situation. of course. Um, and he wasn't shot. He was therefore kidnapped by mm-hmm. the bad people, maybe who were involved with Eric Roberts. Who knows? <laughs> And so he was locked up the whole time, but he knew that in his soul he had this strength because he believed his kid would, like, work on those things they talked about before he was kidnapped. And he's like, I got to do this. I got to get out of this kidnapping situation for my son who's probably earning a black belt. And then he broke free somehow, probably with self-defense skills. And, <laughs> and he made it back to the home just in time to see the board breaking. And he was very happy to be reunited with his son. But then, you know, I'm sure it was a bittersweet moment because he's like free. He's with his family again. But he's also confronted with the fact that his 10-year-old son self-taught himself to earn a black belt, which is something that his wife was supposed to be proud of him for having as an adult. <laughs> All right. So going back, and I'm going to turn to you now, Liam. So that bit where he visits the woman in the hospital. So at some point after this shooting slash kidnapping, he escaped from his kidnapper before and visited one of the victims of the of the the, the shooting. And then he went back to his kidnapper to uh, continue on with uh, being uh, being kidnapped. Is that correct, Liam? Um. <laughs> I assumed that was more like an interpretive dream moment, Doug. <laughs> I don't know, man. Look, 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 look. 
I still don't understand why Mark Cove and Eric Roberts are in this movie. Can we just say that? Like I, at a really base level, I don't actually understand either of those things. So anything beyond, I mean, uh, even the whole, okay. What is the, <laughs> the whole thing where she sees him at the gazebo and then they go to the gazebo and it's just an opportunity for her to find out that he like, was a good person. Like, there's just so many okay. things. That... We need to explain that a little bit more. At one point, <laughs> the mother and the the lawyer psychic go to a gazebo because the psychic has some sort of feeling about this place that her husband had been there at some point. And they discover the one big discovery is that the mother finds a plaque that says that her husband had donated, I guess, the whole gazebo. We also get some flashbacks of him praying at a nativity scene, which is ridiculous but but that's that's just another thing that he did that she was working too hard and you know providing for her fucking family apparently that was so bad that she missed out on the fact that her husband was donating gazebos all over the city oh what if he had psychic powers Uh uh-huh and while he was kidnapped he's like my fucking wife who's off selling applesauce and gravy it better appreciate what i've been doing and so he sent the psychic on a chase to make his woman like realize uh you know a christmas carol style all of the things he'd done (laughs) and then he could return also liam correct me if i'm wrong but at the very end after the husband shows up does the psychic look up into the sky and reference the idea that maybe it was god doing this the whole time Oh, I missed that. If that, ha- I think I, that I, I think that happens. Okay, but here's the other thing, right? So, let's go back to the 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 husband, you know, Del Vecchio, right? He was at a party we've established that is a Second Amendment discussion uh-huh. into a party. Was he yeah. wearing that shitty flannel to the party, <laughs> <laughs> or did he borrow that flannel from his kidnappers to come home in? I mean, these are the questions left unanswered. Liam, hopefully some of these questions will be answered in the upcoming sequel to A Karate Christmas Miracle called A Wrestling Christmas Miracle, uh, which I'm not going to go into any details because, of course, we'll have to cover at some point. Liam, why is that? Uh, (laughs) uh, A blood oath or something? We made a blood oath to cover the life and work. Something I regret. Uh, Of actor Eric Roberts. Wrestling Christmas Miracle. We actually won't have to cover it, Liam, because Eric Roberts isn't in it oh thank god but who is in it is martin cove gilbert gottfried michael winslow from the police academy movies and jimmy walker from good time yeah jimmy walker a notorious maga head what do you think about that liam is that true that is true oh jesus (laughs) so keep your eyes out for a wrestling christmas miracle i want to mention one more thing before we finish up and talk about the performance by eric roberts in this movie um so Del Vecchio, the producer and writer and uh, the father in this movie, also has a website called EmpireStateNews.net, which is a right-wing news site that is run by him. And it actually posted an article that was called A Miracle, Indie Film, A Karate Christmas Miracle, comes in at top three in new holiday movies, Child Star, Carrie's Uplifting Flick. And this is the most ridiculous article. It is It is so self-serving. And there is a whole paragraph about this kid's performance in the movie. Now, we are not going to tear down a 10-year-old in this in this podcast. I don't think that's appropriate. This kid's performance is not good, but, I mean, he's a kid, right? And he's only ever been in movies made by his dad, so of course they're going to be terrible. Liam, I wish I had a website that was uh, that existed solely to, uh, to promote me in some way, just like Eric Roberts has with the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast. What do you think? 
I don't need that kind of attention on me. It says here that the 11-year-old boy did indeed carry this movie. Would you agree with that, Liam? No, not even <laughs> close. He has a chance. <laughs> He's only in like... He had the ability that was not possible. <laughs> he also has, according to this, a photographic memory. So unlike other actors, he did not have a difficult time with his, you know, handful of scenes in the movie. I'm not going to knock the kid. Uh, just this, this particular review is... Um, well, A, it's of course immoral to run a review for a movie that you produced and feature and wrote on your own website. But even aside from that, uh, and I also don't believe, by the way, that this was written by the person that it says wrote it, because I don't believe that that person even exists. <laughs> Wait, you think that bio's real? We're, we're not going to go over the bio of the writer of this, but Sarah pointed it out to me, and I went back and wrote it, and I read it, and it is... Anyway, I'm going to link that in the show notes as well if you want to check it out. As I mentioned, upcoming... The point I want to talk about this review and article is that it it doesn't link to any karate footage of the boy. But it does link to to wrestling footage. (laughs) And I'm wondering why we have to have a wrestling Christmas miracle, which is clearly going to be more geared toward his actual actual talents, that we saw displayed in the karate miracle. But, you know had nothing to do with karate whatsoever. Um, I don't know why we couldn't have just started with the rest of the miracle. Sarah, you forced me to read the plot summary of a wrestling Christmas miracle. I do have to share this before we talk about Eric Roberts. An 11-year-old phenom wrestler with an undefeated record, Case Gabriel, gives up the sport to write-slash-direct a movie. He believes that if the film makes his best friend Charlie laugh on Christmas Day, it will awake the boy from a coma. <laughs> Tragic that he thinks he needs to do a movie when he could just show him couch karate. Well, I mean, <laughs> an excellent point. Uh, Sarah, we need to talk about Eric Roberts, the actor, uh, in A Karate Christmas Miracle. Now, I feel like we're at somewhat of a disadvantage, A, because we don't understand what his character was supposed to be, and B, that this was a performance taken from a different movie entirely. However, uh, we're still going to have to grade and judge it as per usual. Starting with you, Sarah, what did you think of Eric Roberts in A Karate Christmas Miracle? Well, if you try to picture him as sort of some sort of like Brian Oblivion-like figure who's been sure. trans into this film I mean we can't say that he didn't do his best with the material whatever that was I mean I think that's a very fair interpretation of what we're seeing here he, so just to let people know what this role is it's just him sitting and staring at a camera and basically monologuing uh, about things that probably made more sense in Joker's Poltergeist but certainly make no sense in the context of this yeah, uh, just vague ominous ruminations <laughs> But delivered competently, I would say. Yes. Uh, and he does have a menace to him. So I don't know if, if that is appropriate in a children's movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, let's go over to uh, you, Liam. Your thoughts on Eric Roberts' performance in this movie? I'm sorry. I refuse to accept the idea that Eric Roberts is in this movie. Uh, simply playing clips of him from another movie is just not a way in which I'm going to accept my Eric Roberts. So as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing to evaluate. Uh, friend of the show and Cinepunk's contributor, Robert Scavarla, uh, just tweeted me as we were recording. He says that he met Del Vecchio at probably the only public screening of Life Zone, which I believe was his uh, uh, anti-choice horror movie. And he says he's an even bigger creep in person. Liam, can you believe that? 
Yeah, when I mentioned the people I messaged that they should watch this crazy movie, that was Robert Scavarla, who I said, hey, man, this is, seems like it's up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads us to the very concept behind this podcast, which is whether Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 2019's A Karate Christmas Miracle. I'm going to stick with you for this first, Liam. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man? In this movie, no, he is not. The reality is he's not in the movie. He is has the, the there's no way to evaluate his performance because his performance only has context in a different movie. Now, if we're going to watch that terrible Delvecchio movie and evaluate that, then yeah, I'll talk about his performance. But to me, he cannot possibly be the man in this movie because he was transported against his will into this movie. <laughs> and I swear, I would bet up to a hundo dollars that he does not know he is in this film. So what you're saying, I just want to make this very clear, when we inevitably watch Joker's Poltergeist, which we have to do because we made a blood oath to watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts, if we watch that and you say that Eric Roberts is the fucking man because of his performance in that movie, then that will then transport that feeling to this movie as well, and he will also be the fucking man in this movie. I mean, no, because he's not in this movie. <laughs> well, he this is, is literally in the no, movie. No, his presence in this movie is like when they show clips of Night of the Living Dead and other horror movies. You can't say, oh, hey, what's his name was on the screen for five Dwayne minutes. Dwayne Jones? In other... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can't evaluate Dwayne Jones's presence in, like, an episode of Stranger Things. Like, it's not, it's not clear or uh, – I refuse to accept it. This is about Del Vecchio and him being a monster. Well – that's just your opinion. Sarah, is yeah. Eric Roberts the fucking man in this movie? I, I Let's say yes. <laughs> <laughs> With the caveat that like, I wish he didn't have to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I like that caveat. Uh, I also like the idea that Eric Roberts is the fucking man in a karate Christmas miracle. I'm going to have to think about it for a second. Mm, well, Liam, you're outvoted once again. Eric Roberts is the fucking man in A Karate Christmas uh, Miracle. I would say uh, one of the few performers who gets out of this movie unscathed by <laughs> appearing in it in the first place. That is the power of Eric Roberts. Low these many years that we have covered him on the Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast. Uh, as I mentioned before, you can watch A Karate Christmas Miracle on uh, 2B.TV. We will link that in the show notes as well. Uh, Liam, normally we would take in, in our previous non Redux format, we would take another break, but I always figured that when we took that break, people would just tune out anyway. So I've gotten rid of this break entirely. Sarah, where can people check out your content online? We, we're going to link the book in the show notes. Where else can you be found? I am on Twitter at Fodder Figure, F O D D E R Figure, um, Sarah Kerchak on Facebook, and also Fodder Figure on Instagram, but you're just going to find weird photos of dead fish and bizarre ruminations <laughs> there. Um, Twitter was where I will actually, you know, promote my work. Um, Monday, April 20th. Will this be out by then? Uh, I think it'll be seven days from Monday. I think it'll be up right the day before that will be. The this will be released on the 20th is what I'm trying to say. Okay, like if someone happens to hear this right away, um, 7 p.m. Eastern, April 20th on Facebook Live, I'll be hosting a virtual launch for my book where I'm going to do, be doing a quick Q&A, reading some uh, excerpts from the book and answering you know any questions people might post. Uh, I think the footage will be preserved after that so you can come check that out. And probably just, you know, 
talking to anyone in podcasts or blog form who wants to talk to me because I have no mainstream interviews to do anymore because I don't talk about COVID. And I'm just trying to get the word out there however I can. And I have nothing else to do. <laughs> so uh, if you are listening right now, yes, if you have a podcast, book Sarah on your podcast. Tell your friends about this book. Get the word out there. Sarah, of course, you've been on the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast before, but thank you once again for bringing your expertise on mixed martial arts and martial arts in general to A Karate Christmas Miracle. I don't know if we could have made heads or tails of it without your input. Uh, and despite and my, we still didn't. No, and we still didn't, but I, I, you're, of course, a delight. You're always wonderful to have on the show. Even if he didn't have a, a, a book uh, imminently uh, being released all over the world, I would still have wanted you on this podcast, but at least we have an opportunity also to tell people about that. Liam O'Donnell, you are also yes. a person that exists in the world in the year 2020. I do. Mm-hmm. I know. It's crazy. You can be found on social media where? Well, I think most people should just go ahead and seek out Cinepunks. Uh, that's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. Uh, and it's just Cinepunks on Twitter, Instagram, on Facebook. We even have a uh, special Facebook group called the Cinepunks Fun Time Hangout Group, uh, and you know uh, that's really the best way to keep up with me. Especially if you go to Cinepunks.com and check out not only this show but the whole family of shows over there, as well as some new writing. Uh, my co-host on Hard Business, Justin Lore, has a new column where I, I think he's going to be writing weekly uh, about various things, uh, not just in horror cinema but in spooky art in general. Um, mm. Though his most recent piece is on the work of Mike Flanagan and uh, Mike Flanagan's use of uh, personal trauma in his in his work. So uh, I would say go check that out. Please check that out. We'll link that in the show notes as well. If you want to find more about Cinema Smorgasbord, there's so many ways to do so. Of course, you can go over to Cinepunks, which has the latest episodes. You can go over to cinemasmorgasbord.com. Uh, you can subscribe there. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can check out all of our other podcasts under that umbrella, including podcasts devoted to Jackie Chan, podcasts devoted to Dick Miller, podcasts devoted to Vic Diaz, the uh, Filipino Peter Lorre, and many others. Why don't you check that out and subscribe? Right now, you can also follow us on Twitter at Cinemasmorg. That's S-M-O-R-G. We also have a Facebook group for Cinema Smorgasbord. Just do a search on there. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter as well. That's Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. Send us a shout-out. Send us some feedback. If you have any uh, suggestions for future movies featuring Eric Roberts, uh, you can do that through the website or towards me on Twitter or through our Facebook group. But for now... We need to stop talking about Eric Roberts. We need to collect our thoughts. We need to go back to our quarantine. We'll be back very soon with another Eric Roberts favorite. Good night, everybody. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, 